Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Philly Celeb, man. You tuned in to Late Night Date Night. It's season two. Yeah. This season, we're going to bring you some thought-provoking topics. We're going to bring you deep conversations with intelligent women from all across the map. All types of different scenarios, opinions, all types of things. So tune in, listen, get your little notepad, write down some shit, because you might be going through the same shit that we talking about. Headed to the top, but I lost a few homies. Some to a bullet and some to being phony. Niggas used to hate, now them same niggas Joe me. Shorty said she love me, baby girl, you don't know me. Stuck to the plan, now I'm getting bands. Band at the band at the band. Stuck to the plan, now I'm getting bands. Bands at the band at the band. Stuck to the plan, now I'm getting bands. Band at the band at the band. Stuck to the plan, now I'm getting bands. Band at the band at the band. Like, there are no bad trips. There are difficult trips. And there are trips that, especially if you have trauma in your past and, you know, some shit to work through, there are trips that you go into where your brain and spirit may decide that you need to see some shit that you might not want to see and you might not be ready to deal with. And if you fight it and if you start thinking, oh, my God, no, I don't want to think about this, I don't want to think about this, like, it's kind of the same thing as when somebody says something to you like, don't think about purple cows. Because mm-hmm. the only thing you're going to be able to think about is purple cows. So, like, when you do that, when you're in a bad trip and you're like, I don't want to think about this, I don't want to think about it, it's all you can think about, right? And so, I guess because I did a lot of research going into doing psychedelics, I was fortunate in that, like, I had done this harm reduction training. So there's this group, this amazing group out of Oakland, California, called Benjo, and they are kind of an offshoot of, um, there's a group called MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Study, and they're, like, one of the large, the largest um, scientific associations that's doing experiments with psychedelics. They're the ones that are basically like getting FDA approval for MDMA to treat um, PTSD. Like it's an amazing group. You should donate to them. If you don't, like if you have the funds and you believe in psychedelics and things like that, like you really ought to contribute to them because they do amazing work. And so they have this group called Zendo and they do harm reduction training for psychedelics. So basically like teaching you how to help yourself and other people get through difficult psychedelic experiences and like the number one tenant is through not around which means like if you go into a bad experience where you start feeling feelings the only way to get through that is literally that to get through it and if you try to go around it and you try to like distract yourself or or other people that are on psychedelics they're having a bad time you're never going to get through it like you if you, but if you lean into it and you say, okay, I'm feeling this thing, why am I feeling this? You know, what is this, what, what is there to learn in this experience? What is there to gain from this experience? Then it's a lot easier. So, I mean, I've definitely had difficult trips. Like, I've literally had trips where I've, and again, like, I do a lot of stuff, like, at home with my husband together, like, for more, like, kind of therapeutic benefit. So, like, I've definitely had trips where we literally sat in my bed and cried to the point that we were both, like, drenched with tears and, like, sweat and, like, snot and, like, just disgusting from crying through a whole trip. But 
you come out the other side of it like holy shit like I really like worked on some shit and like you know so I don't know like I've never had like a bad trip I guess it's like how how often do you uh, do psychedelics so it, it kind of varies um, again I have kids and of course like I don't do them anytime that I don't have you know a responsible adult to babysit um, so not not that often um, so I would say probably like there was a period of time that um, when my when they're uh, so I have this woman that was, has been with my nanny for years that like stayed with my kids a lot and so when she was around um, we recently moved across the country so when she was around um, and could keep the kids frequently like we used to do them probably like once a month um, now it's more like once every three or four or five months just like you know, when we have a babysitter they can they can uh, watch them so now, not that often do you have sex on these psychedelics? You know, we have a couple times, but I never, like, I have a really hard time having sex on drugs, period. And, like, I know a lot of people like to do Molly and have sex, mm -hmm. and, like, I can't. Like, <laughs> like it, it, so on psychedelics specifically, it's too overwhelming. Like, I just, like, there have been a couple times that we have, like, towards the end of a trip. So, like, you know, like, like five or six hours in when you're really kind of starting to come down you're still sort of feeling it but not a lot mm -hmm. but but for me for the most part like it's just too intense and like there's too much other shit going on in my mind and I think it's probably different for women than men because like I think with women sex is a lot more uh, mental than it is physical where guys I think it's kind of the opposite that it's a lot more physical than it is mental um but yeah, I mean, I have a few times, I just don't, like, I, I have a really hard time doing it, because I do, there's just so much else going on in my brain, and then, like, when I try to have sex on Molly, like, it feels really good, but I can never or orgasm, like, I, <laughs> so, like, we can just go for, like, four or five or six hours, and I literally, like, it'll all feel great. But I'm just gonna wake up like really, really sticky and sore because I never actually finished. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I don't know. I, I I think there's other people that that like to have sex on psychedelics. I maybe maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't know. Like we have pretty good sex not on psychedelics, but it, I don't know. It's just too overwhelming for me. Now, quick question, real quick, before we get back to that. Uh, so Molly is ecstasy, right? Yeah, well, yes and no. So there's there's a couple different forms of like I, I think the reason that you hear um, Molly and ecstasy is that they're actually two different things. Um, but people very typically um, use them interchangeably. Um, so MDMA. Um, and MD, God, I think it's MDE. Mm -hmm. um, it's just kind of two different ways of synthesizing the drug, and they actually they have somewhat different um, effects depending on how you synthesize them. So, uh, give me one second, and I will make sure that I tell you the right thing. Mm -hmm. mm -mm -mm -mm.
think it's MDMA versus MDE. Like one of them is like um, it's like a, a sharper peak and a shorter roll. The other one is like a little bit of a slower come up and a longer roll. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's just two different ways of synthesizing the drug. But for most people, they don't like differentiate between the two. So like MDMA, Molly, ecstasy, they all they use kind of all three of them interchangeably. Okay, okay. So what do you recommend people do when they're on uh, psychedelics? Like meditation, just talk, like what do you recommend? Read? So there's all different kinds of stuff that I like to do on psychedelics. Um, so I, I think the first thing is like before you go to take them, like it's very important to, so when you're young, and I guess like the thing is, is I'm in my early 30s, right? So, and I didn't try any of this shit until after I had turned 30. So I think how I would use them is much different than how somebody that's like 22 or 23 would use them because we know a lot of people, like I worked in music for a while and like so we had a lot of younger friends that were like early to mid 20s and a lot of them just do these drugs at music festivals or when they're going out to clubs. And so like, a lot of people party on these drugs and like you can it's just not what I choose to do um and I also I don't drink at all anymore so like I quit drinking a handful of years ago and that's the other thing so like the one thing that I would tell everybody is don't fucking mix drugs like because <laughs> like it's in most so many people do right like so many people mix like everything with coke and for like <laughs> I have my own personal opinions about Coke. I've never done it, and there's a reason, which is that most of the people I know and love that do Coke, I don't like them when they're on Coke. It just kind of changes the way people act, and, like, it's just, it's funny, I was reading an article the other day about, like, the neuroscience of cocaine and how it makes you more um, selfish and less self-aware. So, like, people that are on coke, like, they really care about what they want and they really don't care about anybody else around them. And, like, but, like, a lot of people mix drugs. And I think that's where most people get into trouble is, like, especially mixing alcohol with anything. Like, you have to remember that alcohol is a depressant and basically a poison, right? So not only is it automatically depressing your system, which puts you at such higher risk for having some type of unpleasant trip, it's also like really hard on your body. So if you're doing other drugs like MDMA that's also hard on your body and also can dehydrate you and also can put you at risk, like there's risk in doing any substances, right? And so when you add additional substances that and you mix them, that risk is, is, it's not compounded, it's like exacerbated. So it's like exponentially higher. So that's the first thing. Second, like if you're gonna do psychedelics and you're, you really, before you do them, need to decide like what your goal is in the trip. And so that's one of the things that I've always gone into trips with is like this intention of like, like if I'm doing it at home, like here's what I want to focus on. Here's what I want to work on. Here's what I want to think about. Um, and, and kind of like prepare yourself for that. And then also like, here's the stuff that's bothering me or is an issue in my life right now that could come up. And if that happens, here's what I hope to get out of that too, right? So kind of like prepare for like, ideally I would like to have fun and do this. Worst case scenario, if this happens, this is what I hope I can work through. So then when you do them, like, all right. So I also have to say, people have told me that I'm crazy for some of the stuff that I like to do on psychedelics. So like 
we took acid and then we watched Get Out. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I actually just took acid this past weekend. We got a babysitter and took acid and we went to see this new movie called Midsummer, which oh. is like also like a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's something that I enjoy. And is it intense? Like, when I told somebody that I took acid and watched Get Out, they were like, I think you might be my new favorite superhero because that is fucking insane. So, <laughs> so how did it feel watching those movies while on acid? Like, what happened? Like, it's amazing. It's like so much more intense and you get so much more like into the movie. And I think with like a movie like Get Out that like, yeah, it's a psychological thriller and it's kind of like, I don't know that I would call it a horror movie as much as a thriller, but there's also a lot of like um, undertones to it, right? Like there's all this like these racial undertones or like all these kind of nuances mm-hmm. that like the, the director wants you to feel and see and process. And so I feel like because you have like a heightened sense of everything on acid, like heightened sense of morality, heightened like just senses in general, like hearing, seeing, your attention to detail becomes a lot greater on acid. Um, I, I think it's amazing. Like just for me, like it's um, so one of the most like insane things I've ever done on acid, like insane being like super fun. Um, Vegas is a great place to take acid. Because there's just so much, like, what the hell going on in Vegas. Um, But we took it and we went to see this show called Beatles Love, which is like a Cirque du Soleil show with Beatles music. And because the Beatles did a ton of psychedelics, like, the whole show is made to make you feel like you're on psychedelics. So there's, like, all these, like, uh, all the characters have, like, makeup and, like, clothes and stuff like that that's all like kind of uh exaggerated to make it like so if you've never done psychedelics it's supposed to make you feel like you are but when you're actually on psychedelics it's like it's it's so overwhelming but so awesome so yeah like i love to do cerebral things i always have these like plans to like color like i have all these adult coloring books and like really nice colored pencil sets and things like that but I can never actually do it because, like, one of the weird things that happens to me is, like, I can't use my phone when I'm on psychedelics. Like, my vision, like, my vision for normal stuff is okay, but my vision for, like, electronics and stuff is kind of, like, I, I just can't use my phone. Um, I don't seem to have as much of an issue with, like, TV or movies, but, um, but, yeah, I never end up coloring. I never end up, like, I don't know, I never end up doing, like, most of the stuff that I plan to do. Um, a lot of times, I'll just have, like, a really good soundtrack, like, pick really good music. Um, so, like, some of the stuff I enjoy is, like, there's a group called The Human Experience, um, which is this really, like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, like, really mellow, chill music um it's like but it's like really complex kind of soundscape so i have this huge playlist of like 120 songs um that are like it's my trip playlist so i can just put that on shuffle and it's all songs that are like pretty complex because like you get really into music um so i do that a lot um if it's during the day, I really enjoy being outside because, like, your attention to detail, like, because it's heightened, like, you notice, like, like 
you know, like the uh, crazy patterns on leaves and like flowers and like stuff you wouldn't typically notice. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to think what else we've done. It's like super fun. Which, which uh, psychedelic gave you your best? Uh, I don't want to call it trip, but like your best adventure. Like which which one gave you your best experience with psychedelic? Um, so I think it's hard to say. So one of the ones that I've done that I've gotten the most out of is uh, I did I did a couple ayahuasca ceremonies, and um, so ayahuasca is this. Uh, it's it's a plant. Uh, well, it's made from a plant, right? So there's it's made from these vines that grow in the jungle. Um, and so they grow in like, there's some in Hawaii. Um, they're really prevalent in like Central and South America, like Costa Rica, Peru, Ecuador. And um, it's been used for thousands and thousands of years by indigenous people to have these like vision quests. And um, so what's in ayahuasca is DMT. So dimethyltryptamine, I think is what it's, the actual name of it, which is, uh, it's a really interesting chemical because DMT is in everything. Um, so it's in like every living cell and your body actually releases a ton of it when you die. So it's what they're pretty sure is what causes the near death, like the death experience. Um, or if you almost die, like the near death experience. Mm -hmm. And so like DMT, people actually use DMT synthesized. So like you can, like you can make the chemical. Um, which I actually just tried for the first time, like three or four weeks ago, I think, um, in like a vape pen, and I, I, I didn't like it. Um, somebody told me I didn't do enough. Uh, it just made me kind of sick to my stomach, and it made everything weird for like ten minutes, and I didn't really, I don't know, I wasn't into it. But um, the difference is when you do ayahuasca. The vine has DMT in it, but it also has an MAO inhibitor. So instead of like DMT is usually like a 10 to 15 minute trip when it's the chemical form, but when you do it through the vine, because of the MAO inhibitor, it slows down your body's absorption of it. And so you get these like crazy, like four to six to eight hour vision quests. And it's, um, I was never a spiritual person really until I did DMT like ayahuasca and uh the encounters that i had with spirit energy on ayahuasca made me a spiritual person and like uh everybody and what's, what's really strange with ayahuasca is that um <laughs> a lot of people that do it see similar things um and that when i say that um there's like a golden temple Mm -hmm. that a lot of people see that even if you don't know about it you will still see it and so that's that's really crazy to me so like i did this ceremony right and um like the morning after the ceremony you kind of all meet and you talk about you know what you saw and what, what you think it means and um because it's like a very spiritual thing so you do it with a shaman that's been like that's studied and trained with these indigenous tribes mine was uh from costa rica and peru um, and like it's people and the thing I think like again like where I was saying you need to go into doing most psychedelics with an intention like people come into doing an ayahuasca ceremony with a lot of intention they're very respectful about it and there's like a whole process to it and um, so we're, we're talking about what we saw and this woman's talking about this golden temple that she saw and like describing things and like I can see what she's talking about and 
probably three months later, I'm walking through this music festival in Oregon, and I look into like a vendor's tent, and on the wall is this golden temple, like a tapestry with a golden temple on it. And I walked in, and I was like, I've seen that temple. And the the I shit you not, the girl like that was running the booth was like, oh, so you've done ayahuasca. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, almost everybody that does ayahuasca sees the Golden Temple. And you, you ask yourself, like, how is that possible? Mm-hmm. Right? Because, like, it would be understandable of going into it. Somebody was like, oh, by the way, you might see a Golden Temple, right? Because then they've implanted that. So it makes it more likely that you're going to see it. But without even being told, people see it. And so, like... Is, I don't know, man. It, is it, that in the same? Do they see it in the same location, or you just see it? Like, how do you see it? Everybody sees it differently. Um, and my husband actually. So we did the ceremony together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did two days of ceremony, and we did ours uh, actually in California. And it was so um, impactful for him that uh, he ended up going to Costa Rica and doing a ten-day retreat where he did like five or six ceremonies um, over the course of 10 days and he ended up seeing it as well. And so everybody sees it differently. Like he had this whole vision like that lasted for an entire night where he was on a boat um, on a river that represented his life and kind of went backwards. Like as he went up the river, it was going backwards through his life and kind of showing him different things in his life that had made an impact on him or like, uh, memories that he had repressed and things like that and then at the end he got to the golden temple mm-hmm. um, and so um, yeah everybody sees it differently do, um, do anybody but, ever, does anyone ever get a chance to go on the golden temple not to cut you off I'm sorry I don't, I don't know um, and it, I don't know <laughs> I don't know I, you know and I actually like I was so freaked out by seeing it I actually I bought the tapestry that the Golden Temple was on um, but like I, I haven't done a ton more research into it because it's just one of those things that's like I, I don't know like it's like when you know you know and then um, it's so hard to explain like with ayahuasca like so have you ever this is going to get really weird but have you ever heard of the concept of quantum entanglement uh no I haven't that doesn't have anything to do with like ultimate realities or different dimensions does it uh quite possibly actually so quantum entanglement is a real like it's a demonstrable real thing and I actually just last week saw that scientists for the first time got a picture of quantum entanglement so it's this thing that can happen with atoms where um they become entangled with each other to the point that whatever you do to one atom happens to the other one. And it's like, they're like inextricably linked like forever. And so, um, it's like, I'm, I'm not a quantum physicist by any stretch of the imagination, but so it's like, and it it can happen, you know, it's kind of like, I, I look at my husband and I, and like, we've been together for a long time, right? So the longer you're together, the long, the better you know somebody, but like, we literally don't have independent thought anymore. Like the amount of times that I'm thinking something, even something really random, and he says it is, it happens at least a few times a day. And it's really frustrating because like, 
Like, I, it's, it's sometimes I'm like, could I have my own private thoughts back? Like, could I just have one original thought that you don't also think? Because it's like, I don't know. So it's like we can't hide anything from each other. And so I, I often think about, like, how the hell does that happen? You know, and like, because it'll be like very freaking random stuff. Um, and uh, so when I think about quantum entanglement, you know, I wonder, like, have we spent so much time together that, like, there's a decent amount of our, you know, our atoms that are quantum entangled with each other that, like, you know, we just kind of are becoming the same person. And so the reason I mention that is because one of the things I think is really interesting about ayahuasca is it's made from these vines, right? Mm -hmm. And so these vines all grow in the jungle. And if you think about it, like, you cut a piece of the vine off to make this, like, it's basically, like, almost like a tea. It's actually, it looks like mud, but I guess it's tea is the closest thing you can describe it as. That you drink, similar to, like, mescaline. And you cut the vine off to make this, but the vine keeps growing. And that vine has been growing for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So, you know, I... I've read and listened to a lot of podcasts about like plants and the way we think about plants and how we tend to think of plants as these like non-sentient things, but plants actually like they have memory and they have like knowledge and they communicate with each other and like um, plants are much more complex uh, organisms than we like to think they are because we process things through like a human lens. And so there has to be knowledge contained in these vines because there's a lot of people like if you, if you, you know, Google ayahuasca, you'll read story after story after story of people that have completely changed their lives with ayahuasca, you know, like overcome opiate addiction, overcome like uh, crippling mental health problems, um, you know, like trauma, things like that. Like people do ayahuasca very specifically to heal themselves and to discover things about themselves they don't know. And they have these insanely um, deep spiritual experiences. You know, and I, I've had a fairly deep spiritual experience on it, my husband even more so, because he did more ceremonies and, like, did more of it than I did. Um, and I believe that there's something, like, other than the uh, DMT that's in the vine, like, I, I believe that because of quantum entanglement, that, like, with, you know, thousands of years of tribes and wise people around these vines, that they contain a knowledge. And it's, we as humans, like, I think we have a lot of hubris and that we think we understand a lot about the way the universe works, but we really don't like, we really, really don't. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know. Like, so I would say ayahuasca is definitely one of the things that has given me the most benefit and that I feel like almost everybody should try and should do at least once in their lives because it, it I, I feel like there's this thing that we call God, right? And like, it's this, and I think there's a reason that all different religions have this like thing that they, they call a God or multiple gods. And what I personally believe it is, is love. Like it's this universal energy that all people, all living things share. And like, we call it, like, I call it love. And when I did ayahuasca, I felt like I reconnected to that energy. Like that's one of the things that made me care more deeply about other people. It made me feel like, and this, this is like, we kind of skimmed over this at the beginning, but the one thing that psychedelics have really done for me is given me um, a handful of feelings. One is I'm enough. Like I don't have to try. 
I like all of the problems in your life come from trying too hard to be something, be mm. what you think other people want you to be, be what your parents want you to be, be like this ideal that you've built from the media and like, you know, all of the, the things around you. And the reality is that it's all because we feel like we, as our authentic self, they're not enough. And from the very first time I did um, LSD primarily, but definitely ayahuasca, I got this overwhelming feeling of you're enough. And, you know, don't try so hard. Like life is not as hard as you make it. And a lot of the stuff around you that you think makes life hard is bullshit. <laughs> like, and then the other thing that it made me feel like is like, you don't have to play by other people's rules. Like a majority of the world around you is all like a construct of other people's rules. Like society in general is a whole bunch of like laws and rules that other people made that you're just living by. Mm -hmm. And while some of them are good, like, you know, be nice to other people. And, you know, the, like a lot of it is just bullshit. And like you, we spend so much of our lives letting other people determine what happiness is, what success is, what, you know, that like it's bullshit and you don't have to. And like you define your own success and you define your own happiness. And, you know, I went from, I grew up super poor. Like my parents were very, very poor. And um, my mom went to school most of the time that I was a kid, which is a big part of the reason why we were so poor. Um, and so I always grew up thinking that like money was the key to happiness. That like as soon as I made a lot of money, I would be happy. Well, I've had years where I've made more than half a million dollars. Mm -hmm. I still wasn't happy. And, and I honestly think that's why a lot of, you know, you see a lot of very, very successful people. And especially in the last handful of years, like there've been um, a lot of really high profile suicides of people that you would have thought were like at the peak of what success and happiness should be. And they're not. And it's because when you spend your whole life chasing one or two things that you've let other people tell you means you're successful and then when you attain them and you realize that they don't make any meaningful difference to your happiness like you can feel completely hopeless you know because like I made all this money like I had enough money to do whatever I wanted and I still wasn't happy and it's because I wasn't I wasn't living up to my true purpose and I wasn't defining for myself what success was and what happiness was I had just let other people tell me that being wealthy means you're successful and like you know being able to go on all these crazy vacations and buy everything in the world and have it delivered in two days because the Amazon Prime is what makes you happy and like it doesn't for me at least and so I mean now I make 80000 a year which is a lot I mean so like don't get me wrong I know most people would be ecstatic to make what I make but it's literally like it's literally like 20% of what I used to make. Mm -hmm. And I'm so much happier now than I was then. And so like, I, I just, I don't know, like it, psychedelics have helped me realize that like, you really do create your own reality. And like the more you let 
everything else in the world dictate what your reality is, the more unhappy you will be. And the more you go out and make your own rules and decide, like, you know, I can eat cereal for dinner because I want to. you know or I can give my kids cereal for dinner and it doesn't make me a shitty mom and I can give them pizza for breakfast and it doesn't make me a shitty mom and like you know like one time I remember there was this one time that we came back from like a a weekend away from them and like we really missed them and um, we literally just went and woke them up in the middle of the night it was like 2 o'clock in the morning I was like you know what I miss the kids so much and my husband was like let's wake them up you know, and so we woke our kids up, and it was like a Saturday. It wasn't like they had school the next day or anything. They're still really young. And we, at 2 in the morning, we woke them up, and we are like, hey, come watch a movie with us in our bed. You know, and so we brought them downstairs to our room, and we watched a movie in bed with them for a couple hours. And, you know, they felt like they fell back asleep after like an hour. And it was like the nicest thing because it's like I, don't play, like, I don't play by other people's rules. And like there's, like I said, there's some rules that are good rules, and there are other rules that are just the way things have always been, and they don't have to be that way. That's deep. I like I like your thinking. That's deep. I think that what you just said, a lot of people need to hear that. Like the world needs to hear that. That could change a lot of people's lives. That perspective. I like that. Yeah, and I mean, I I also think that like the level of empathy you develop on psychedelics. I mean, and this is, I always wonder to myself, like, could you get to this place without them? Like, you know, could I, is there an amount of work that I could have done in my life without psychedelics that could have gotten me to the same place? And I don't know. I honestly don't know. So one of the things that happens when you do acid is um, you have this thing in your brain called a pineal gland, Mm -hmm. which is like, it's the part of your brain that's responsible for things like intuition and it's as close as they can figure out to what actually would be your third eye, if you will. Um, and what's weird is that because we as a modern species don't have to use intuition, like one of the things I think I realized about society is that it is too easy to survive. Like, you know, if you think about cavemen, like cavemen had to fight to survive every single day. And for the most part, most humans live in these little bubbles. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to go out and kill your food. You don't have to, like, worry that a woolly mammoth or a saber-toothed tiger is going to eat you. Like, you, you know, like, we, like, is life hard for some people? Yes, absolutely. Some people way more than others. Like, I, I don't mean to make it like, you know, like, I, oh, life is so easy. But there's a certain amount of modern luxury that we have where, like, our lives are very safe, so we don't need our intuition that often, right? Like, we... We have GPS, so we never have to figure out where we're going. Like, we don't have to have a sense of direction. And so one of the things that happens because of this is that you actually, um, we're building up a layer of calcium on our pineal gland. And so most people's pineal glands are covered in calcium. And LSD is one of the only things they have found that actually breaks down the calcium on your pineal gland. So it's not just like, oh, people do, you know, acid and then they go half crazy. So they all think that they, you know, are are more intuitive and more like woke. Like it's an actual thing. And so, and it's also what produces things like melatonin um, and modulates your sleep patterns and your circadian rhythms and like, when that calcifies your your quality of life goes down and so while I do think like yeah you know maybe I could have reached the same level of like depth of thought 
and empathy without psychedelics, I do think that there's some things they help with that you can't achieve without them. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's a reason that the government is very afraid of them, which is that if you had a whole generation of people, a whole society that was more empathetic, more ethical, more moral, uh, you know, broke down boundaries between you know, races and sexes and classes, like, that's dangerous. That's yeah. very dangerous. The way the government, like, the reason that the war on drugs started is because the hippies were taking acid and mushrooms and becoming more empathetic and, like, um, protesting the Vietnam War. I mean, that that is the genesis of our war on drugs, and anybody that thinks otherwise is deluding themselves. Because the government saw that, and they also had done their own experiments with psychedelics, and where they were hoping psychedelics would be some type of truth serum, they actually turned out to be an empathy serum, and that is very dangerous for controlling people. Like, you can't control people unless you keep them fighting with each other, because it, when they're fighting with each other, they can't band together to fight you. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, and so, like, like it, it, even things like... I grew up in New Hampshire, right? And mm-hmm. New Hampshire is probably one of the most passively racist and bigoted states in the country, which is strange, right? You think, like, how could that even be? Like, how could how could New Hampshire be as racist as a place like, you know, like South Carolina or Mississippi or, like, and it's because, like, those people have all the same stupid racial stereotypes and zero people of color around to to demonstrate anything opposed to the way they view people of color, right? So I literally, and I'm not even kidding when I say this, I did not see a black person in person until I was 10 years old. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Yo! MTV Raps and Family Matters were the extent of my exposure to black culture. And so, you know, like, I, I had a lot of work to do when I became an adult to understand my place in the world and white privilege and systemic inequality and things like that. And I definitely think that especially in the last handful of years doing psychedelics and, you know, like MDMA, which is referred to as an empathogen, like my one, my acceptance of my own racism, like the, the acceptance of like, I am not actively racist like, right, like I, I'm aware of racism and inequality and how it functions in my life and, and what my white privilege buys me and how our systems are stacked against people of color. But I also have to accept that because of the way I was raised, because of the people I was raised by, because of our media, because of our, like the way our entire society is set up, I am racist. And you don't have to be actively racist to be racist. So, like, I am at, at both, at the same time, I am both anti-racist, you know, and, and have, like, a majority of my friends are people of color minorities, but I also know that because I was raised the way I was in the society I was raised in, I'm racist. And that's something that I think for, like, white people is very hard to accept, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't, you can't truly fight for equality until you accept that it doesn't exist and, and you accept that just by existing within this system as a white person, you, uh, whether unwillingly or not, contribute to it. 
And so, like, the level of aware, like, self-awareness that it's taken me to be like, I accept this about myself. I accept that all of the shit that I was told when I was a child is all still in my head. And even if I know that it's wrong, even if I am one of the people that, like, you know, I have two of my best friends are, are black and we will sit around for hours and talk about race and how it impacts us and, like, viewpoints and like that. And I think one of the things that has brought us so close together is me being able to be like, oh, yeah, I have some fucking dark shit in my head from being raised in New Hampshire. You know, like the, <laughs> you know, and so, like, I think, like, there's so much that breaking down, like, your resistance to reality and how things are can accomplish, right? And, like, mm-hmm. psychedelics do that. And that is that is so dangerous for the the government and, you know, big businesses and power, the powers that be that benefit from a certain level of, um, dis- you know, disconnect in our society. If you can keep people fighting each other, there's a lot of power in that. Like, that, there's so many things that if more people were open to doing psychedelics, I think could be gained. Um, you know, in such a level of understanding that, I mean, I, I don't know, we're, but we're making strides, right? So we've got a couple different cities that have decriminalized mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, that, that begs the question, like, how far is the government really going to let it go before they crack down on it again? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. That's dope. Now, real quick, before we go, um, are there different kinds of mushrooms? Um, that's a shitty question for me. I have still only done mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that one really bad experience when I was young, I think I've done them t- twice since then. Okay. Um, yeah. So as far as I know, I, there, so there are, I think there's a couple different strains. The psilocybin, um, which is uh, what is in mushrooms, I think occurs in a couple of different um, strains of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. But let me see. Yeah, because like, <laughs> I know that when you get them, they can look differently. Um, and I think it's, a, I think psilocybin is a, an actual genus of mushrooms so like you know how it goes like like kingdom class order family genus whatever so I think it's a genus that has a handful of different species in it um I want to say there's like four or five different strains of them um cause they like they definitely look different um but I'm not sure if the effects of different mushrooms are different cause like I so um interestingly so, like, I find, like, when I compare uh, LSD with mushrooms, for me, the effects of LSD are significantly more predictable. Like, I feel like I'm more in control when I'm on LSD. Like, if I if I let my brain go, it'll just wander. But if I want it back, I can be like, hey, come back, brain, and it'll just come back to me. Like, I feel like mushrooms, and I think part of it is that they're, they grow in nature, so you can never really know how much psilocybin is in a mushroom like you just eat it and like you can so you kind of like you measure mushrooms in weight but 
like it's just kind of like you know when you eat jalapenos like some jalapenos are like not spicy at all and other ones will like make you cry yes mushrooms are kind of the same thing it's like some mushrooms don't have that much psilocybin in them and some are crazy strong so like you measure them because you can like oh okay i know about a gram of mushrooms is like going to give me this effect but you can never be fully sure but I will say that, so I feel like LSD is more controllable. I also know people that will absolutely swear the other way around, that like mushrooms are easier to do, they're more controllable. And a mushroom trip is about half as long as an acid trip. So like acid is a good like six to 10 hours. Mushrooms are more like three to five hours. So it's a much shorter trip. Headed to the top, but I lost a few homies. Some to a bullet and some to being phony. Phony, phony Niggas used to hate, now them same niggas Joe me, Joe me, Joe me. Shorty said she love me, baby girl, you don't know me Stuck to the plan, now I'm getting bands Band at the band at the band Stuck to the plan, now I'm getting bands Bands at the band at the band Stuck to the plan, now I'm getting bands Band at the band at the band Stuck to the plan, now I'm getting bands Band at the band at the band Like my drink shaking, I stir Had to go get it, ain't waiting my turn When these hating boys out here gon' learn Gotta get up off your ass, boy, go earn Gotta go get it, ain't nobody gon' give it to you I know life get hard, gotta live through it Whatever you going through, you gon' get through it Just get you a plan and you stick to it Showed them the way, but they chose to do it different they ain't mad at me, man, they mad how they live in They don't hate me, man, they hate their position When the table turn, watch how niggas start switching Niggas used to hate, now they joke me Bitches say they love me, they don't know me Keep your pussy, bitch, just blow me Cruise through Lower Marion, I ain't never seen Kobe, boy like I got five rings, I need five more In five years, man, I wanna have five stores Need me a building with like five floors On a private island with like five whores Headed to the top, but I lost a few homies Some to a bullet and some to be phony Niggas used to hate, man, I'm saying niggas Joe me Shorty says she love me, baby girl, you don't know me Stuck to the plan, now I'm getting bands Band at the band at the band Stuck to the plan, now I'm getting bands Band at the band at the band Stuck to the plan, now I'm getting bands Band at the band at the band Stuck to the plan, now I'm getting bands Band at the band at the band Band at the band Band at the band Band at the band Bag at the bag, bag at the bag, bag at the bag, bag at the bag, band at the bag, band at the bag, bag at the bag, lost a few homies, lost a few homies, lost a few homies, some was being phony, lost a few homies, lost a few homies, lost a few homies, some was being phony.